0: And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of his glory and
1: grace Welcome everybody to another episode of Trans Regret Snoopy Presents The Bible. Today, I have Kate with me talking about Revelation 1 through 3. Uh, Kate, welcome.
0: Thank you. <laughs> uh, good to be on. Like I said, I'm a fan. Uh, I just, Miranda person off the internet. I don't have a podcast or anything, just a Twitter <laughs> account. But uh, yeah. I, I can talk about my faith journey now. Yeah, yeah, okay. since
1: you've heard the episodes, you'll know. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, what, it's how coming. Does, yeah, how does faith play a part in your life?
0: Um, so I was raised, uh, in a very Christian, conservative home. Uh, I was raised Evangelical Presbyterian. Uh, my parents are, to this day, full-time missionaries, so, um, but I, I think for most of my life it was um, it wasn't it was just a part of my life nothing I really thought about that much I didn't really engage with it intellectually or emotionally I went through the motions and um, especially I mean I'd I'd give I'd I'd give it a go sometimes for a couple of weeks, like reading the Bible consistently and praying, but then I'd just sort of give up um, in college. Yeah, I never really left, um, but it just didn't feel, wasn't relevant to me. Uh, I, I'd i still go to church, uh, but it was just a sort of on Sunday thing. And then um, things really changed in, uh, when I, beloved aunt of mine died uh, and I just sort of realized that death is real and that it's really important to figure out uh, what's going to happen after death and just the importance of the spiritual life really became real to me and I realized that I sort of needed to make my faith my own and that sort of is a Process I'm still in the midst of just sort of questioning everything and thinking about uh, what I do believe. And I think right now I don't think I'm going to be an evangelical anymore, but I'm not sure like I'm thinking Catholic or uh, Episcopalian um, or Lutheran at this point. So Yeah,
1: that's interesting. I mean, I think that um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of that, I think, in the world like the 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 church world is in many ways a social outlet for a lot of people. It's not necessarily uh, their life's mission or their life's work. It's just sort of what they were raised in and who they hang out with. And um, belief is part of that. But for many, it's kind of second, um, second to the aspect of well, oh, this is my community. This is my, um, these are my people.
0: Yes, and um, it's it's sort of something hard to come to grips with. I think that I feel um, as though the call of Jesus is for his life and work to mean more to us than that, and I think that's something that is hard to do um, and um, but a good thing to rest, wrestle with
1: absolutely and and the the Bible is full of um, difficult passages challenges uh, in some cases even contradictions and um, in order to fully realize and like what you said make your faith your own you re- you really have to wrestle with that you have right. to Find a way to reconcile this ancient world with their ancient rules, <laughs> yes. uh, and you know this is our eternal salvation too. It's not just something rad that happened two thousand years ago. It's or, or even further. It's um, something that is still very very important in our daily lives, and it has to be. So uh, that's interesting. Thank you for thank you for sharing. Um, You're welcome. Revelation is the most confusing book to me of all of the books that I've read through uh thus far it is like an old testament book really in the new testament the way that Jesus talks is so um is so bombastic and 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 almost aggressive in ways that he never addressed people before um it's uh it's challenging. What 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 is your take on it? Just from uh, from kind of this section that we were going to go over
0: here. Um, yeah, it, in a really interesting way, it's different from all of the other books in the New Testament, which are just letters and the Gospels. And this is it's sort of an extraordinary in that it's claiming to be a new revelation and really the last revelation that at least protestants recognize from god right Um, yeah and so it is just you know (laughs) so different and um uh, yeah because the the epistles and the gospels are so very concrete in the sense that the gospels are stories the epistles they're just straight up telling you you know like this is the way you should live this is what i think this is what jesus did for us whereas this is just very much like you said in the same vein as the old testament prophets um, where it's just very symbolic uh, and yeah, I don't really know what other word to use for yeah, it. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. There's a ton of really, really rich metaphor in this. Some um, some books, uh, translations of the Bible actually refer to this book as the apocalypse right. uh, instead of the revelation. And um, the, it, revelation, I think, is it, it seems more fitting to me because this isn't about necessarily the end times. It's not about necessarily like... Um, the end of all things although it's mentioned in here and and we're not even going to get to that right Uh, we're going to be talking today about like fallen churches uh and letters uh, that jesus is dictating to 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 go out to these churches um the author that's credited for revelation is john Mm -hmm. and john is i think widely like a understood or widely like accepted to have been the apostle john although it seems like historically there's a lot of disagreement with that Uh, some people don't necessarily see how that would be possible others say that you know he at this point would be extremely old um and uh and so they just i have this new uh new revised standard version it's the oxford annotated um and it's uh, it's really, really deep. With um, so here's where this might not be the case, or here's here's why this uh, this sounds odd. Um, the John here is maybe not the John that we think of as John, because there's a lot of Johns in the Bible. Um, so I just wanted to preface with that because the 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 very first the, the premise that we're going to jump into here, and and I guess I should stop running my mouse and just get to the Bible, but um, is Jesus. Comes to John. God brings Jesus to John, and John is commanded to hear this sort of prophetic vision from Jesus and to communicate with the churches on earth. So, um, in uh, so we'll just start the prologue here. Uh, I again, I'm doing the English Standard Version, but I'm going to jump between a few different versions because I think there's a lot. um, the, The language that they use in this leaves a lot of room for interpretation um this I'm I'm seeing already like a um the first testament the first major testament of Jesus is the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm hearing like a parallel to the Sermon on the Mount here at the end of this prologue.
0: Interesting. I hadn't thought of that. The
1: the the testimony here is um is one that I think in the in the first three chapters that we're gonna talk about. Is largely just about the, the state of things on earth. Um, John, uh, greetings to the seven churches. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. Asia being a region in um, in the Roman Empire, not Asia, the continent necessarily. Um, these, in particular, I think, are primarily geographically Turkey, right, a- around that area. I agree grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from jesus christ the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priests to his god and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. We are building a prayer again here. At the beginning of all the um, letters and at the beginning of uh, the Lord's Prayer, there is, we are exalting God on high. We are recognizing his good deeds. We're recognizing his gifts. Now we're going to get to the pith. You mm-hmm. know, Now we're going to get into the, the meat of uh, what we have to say here. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Uh, in, in ESV, there's uh, all of the words spoken by Jesus Christ are in red, red mm-hmm. text, there, there isn't, um, f- from basically the end of the, the Gospels to Revelation, there's a large chunk of the Bible that has almost no red text in it whatsoever, um, that messages are being relayed to people like Paul um, through God, but Jesus himself doesn't speak much in the latter part of the New Testament until Revelation. And the Jesus that we meet in Revelation is very different than the one that we met on earth he's not the buddy Christ anymore right um but God here says I am the Alpha and the Omega um that's the beginning and the end the the A and the Z Z if you're Canadian right um the vision of the son of man and this is verse 9. I John your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, "And here's Jesus talking. Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches: to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea, Laodicea. I think it is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher some of these names. That's okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, then i turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and on turning i saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his head or on his chest the hairs of his head were white like white wool like snow his eyes were like a flame of fire his feet were like the burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. That's a powerful image.
0: Yeah. And um, I have the ESV study Bible, and it sort of goes into what each description symbolizes. So uh, it says that hair like white wool shows his infinite divine wisdom. The burnished bronze feet shows that he will crush any opponents. The roar of many waters um, is a reference to Ezekiel. So, uh, yeah, it's this very uh, vision of Jesus that symbolizes all these different um, divine aspects of him.
1: It's And it's deeply grounded in the Old Testament. I, right. I was listening to a few other people's analysis of this um, before we did this, and um, one person mentioned that th- Revelation has more references to the Old Testament than any other New Testament book, but it's actually one of the only books in the New Testament that doesn't directly quote the Old Testament, which I found super interesting.
0: That is, I it makes sense in the sense that this is sort of in the same genre as the Old Testament prophets. Um, But I hadn't thought about that aspect of not directly quoting the Old Testament. Um,
1: It's almost like it wouldn't be necessary because Jesus is speaking to us here, right? So why would he need to quote scripture? (laughs) He's writing scripture right now.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. And you you still see the connection with the Old Testament through all the references and phrases that he uses.
1: Absolutely, this this image of of Jesus with a sword in his mouth, uh, y- you're about to see why he's got armor on, why he's he's like resplendent and beautiful, but he's like he's kind of ready for war here. Uh, in verse seventeen, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. And the living one, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place this afternoon. There's a lot of repetition like this. It's like changing tenses that I find really strange. Um, As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Um, So why lampstands? Why are lampstands representing the church? I think that um, the Voice Bible does a really great job of kind of just sticking a little blurb in here about this and saying that a lampstand is not the light itself. It's not the flame. It is what holds up the light, so it is um, supporting and um, and helping to broadcast like the light of the world. But all in itself is just a lampstand.
0: Yeah, I think it also um, there's somewhere else in the New Testament they use this same metaphor talking about you wouldn't hide, you wouldn't cover up a lamp um, about and as a way to say you you wouldn't hide the light of Christ in you. Um, so no, I totally agree. That makes sense. Um, that yeah, lampstands are vessels of the light and not the light itself. Um, I also, I just really love sort of the, the tenderness and comfort Jesus, uh, has for john here because you know he falls down and then you see jesus lay his hand on him and say don't be afraid it's me the living one yeah, uh, yeah i died it's really but beautiful.
1: i'm here again i the the notion of jesus having the keys to hell or Hades here I mean again there's these there's these sort of like intermingling of pagan uh, notions of the afterlife that we see a few times throughout um, the Bible here he's saying he holds the keys to death he holds the keys to Hades why would Jesus want to control the the keys to hell um I think we're about to see why because he's got a lot to say about how people are operating on on earth um so the first letter that uh, John writes, as dictated by Jesus, is the letter to the church in Ephesus. To the angel, this is um, chapter two. The to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, and there's something that he has against pretty much everybody here. Uh, Each church gets its own little, this is like the um, the airing of the grievances. (laughs) (laughs) But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first, and in other translations, will say you have abandoned your first love. That phrase sounds very different than the love you had at first. Um, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He also... He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Hmm. Jesus hates the Nicolaitans? Does your study Bible say anything about why that would be?
0: They, so it says that the... It's not entirely sure what the Nicolaitans are, but it says it's a heretical Christian sect. So I think it's not necessarily like a, like, a people from a certain city or place. It's, um, I guess, a group of people who are um, distorting the message.
1: Mm. So people who... Pretend to be believers, but are are perverting right. the, the That's really interesting, and there is so much of this where there are these sort of like social in group um, f- fights between folks, especially in the Old Testament, where God hates this group of people that we've been at war with w- at war with for ten years. He hates them just like I hate them. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily what's going on with this particular passage, but it is always interesting to hear how the Um, how the interplay of people became a part of their faith, even though largely a lot of these conflicts weren't inherently having to do with, you know, the salvation of people's souls.
0: Right. It's always, um, yeah, it's always interesting um, when God says that he hates people. Uh, Always a little scary. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things where, but yeah, you have to wrestle with.
1: And if God is love and God has the deep abiding permanent love and the love, you know, the, the peace love and the abiding love, why would he, what good is hate to him? Uh, it is something that you have to kind of grapple with and we go on because he's got a lot more to say Uh, chapter 2 verse 8 to the church in smyrna to the angel of the church in smyrna write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life i know your tribulation and your poverty but you are rich and the slander of those who say that they are jews and are not but are a synagogue of satan do not fear what you are about to suffer behold the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and for 10 days you will have tribulation be faithful unto death and i will give you as the i will give you the crown of life he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death so not really anything bad to say about smyrna here is there
0: Right. I think isn't this one of the only ones where he doesn't have a criticism? Um, but I guess their bad news is that they're uh about to suffer. Which So oh go ahead. I was just gonna say, which I imagine wasn't um a fun thing to hear at the time. Not welcome news.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think um I think that's that's right, it's like, uh, I don't have anything bad to say about how you are, even though you're poor, but you're actually rich. Um, but here here we go, the devil's going to send you to prison. Um, for ten days, you'll be tested. I was trying to find an instance of ten, the, the ten days metric being important, and I, I couldn't quite... Uh, figure out why that number, because numbers are really big in the Bible, right? Right, we know, right. We know this.
0: Yeah. So I was gonna say earlier, but I didn't. That um, the the thing about the seven churches is because seven represents completeness and perfection. Uh, but I I'm casting around in my memory and I'm not coming up with significance for ten. Hmm.
1: Well, I guess we can move on, because I, I, I was I was just looking in a couple of the other translations, too, and none of them use a different phrase here. You're going to jail, you're going to be tested for ten days by, by these Jews who aren't really Jews. They're actually devil worshippers. Um, so we'll move on to, to Pergamum and to the angel of the church in Pergamum, right? The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword... I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, Antipas?
0: Sure, Antipas, (laughs) something like that.
1: (laughs) My faithful witness who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have, here we go, a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak, to put a stumbling block before the sons of israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality so also you have some who hold the teachings of the nicolaitans therefore repent if not i will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth them being the people amongst them that are following these false teachings He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Interesting call to action there. Um, Conquer. God is calling, Jesus is calling this church to conquer those among them that have these false teachings in their heart that are that are following the wrong path and they'll be given hidden manna and they'll be given a new name and we talked about the renaming of people in the bible before and it's 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 an important symbolic uh rebirth of saul became paul simon became peter this is an interesting one though because whoever does this conquering will be given a new name written on a stone that no one knows is he saying that no one has heard the name before or that no one knows what the name will be? Um. I'm not asking you to be certain <laughs> about any of this, by the way. <laughs> you can...
0: Yeah, I'm not sure because... So, on the one hand, I can see, like, will the name on the stone be a new name for the person who it's given to, but it also makes me think of later in Revelations where they talk about Jesus having a name that nobody knows, Um, and that's sort of a, a, that shows his power, that nobody knows his name. So. Yeah, I'm sort of perplexed by, I mean, it says that the the white stone is given to victors at games for entrance to banquets. So um, I think this also refers to what is also later in Revelations, the banquet of the lamb for um, the believers. But um, on the, the subject of new names, um, yeah, it's all throughout the Bible. And I think it's, really powerful i i don't know who said it but i heard a quote one time that said god always starts with identity and i think you sort of see that in the way he so often renames people he renames the people he calls because you know it's that idea from paul of being a new person now that god has found you and uh called you
1: wow that is really um that's cool and and the fact that this is so it's left so open here to to what this new name a what the new name will be who the new name is for right and and what it signifies um but yeah god starts with identity mm. that's really interesting um Moving on to Thyatira, which I actually had to look up a video how to pronounce this. Me too. I, I was all over the I was all over the place <laughs> when I was trying to figure it out. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. They're taking from the beginning a description of Jesus. They're taking one. Factor of each one of these descriptors, and they're bringing it to the beginning of each letter. Why it would be though that they choose the burnished bronze for Thyatira, where they chose um, the first and the last who died and came to life for Smyrna, is beyond me. I I can't figure out why they would choose these particular ones. Although the fact that they mention the sharp two-edged sword in the letter to Pergamum, which is about conquering, does seem to have um, some significance there.
0: Yeah, and I think they they also, it changes slightly what, because it always ends with to the one who conquers. It also changes a bit each one, what the conquerors get. So with, uh, let's see, Ephesus, the ones who conquer eat of the tree of life. Um, For Smyrna, the ones who conquer will not be hurt by the second death. And the ones who conquer in Pergamum get the white stone with the new name on it. So I'm I'm sure it'd be interesting to, like, uh, dive deep into that sometime and figure out why it changes for each one. But that's a good point.
1: I really need to learn, like, Hebrew and Greek and (laughs) Aramaic. Yeah, I actually
0: uh, uh, know Greek, but (laughs) I don't know Hebrew, so... hmm.
1: That's really cool. Okay, so I, I got off on a tangent there again. So where were we at? eighteen, nineteen? here. I know your works and your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, here we go, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, this bit bothered me a little bit, not because I have, um, not because I want to defend Jezebel here, but the... This bit about I will give to each of you according to your works, um, there's been a consistent message in the New Testament that works are not what makes salvation, that faith is what makes salvation, that love is what makes salvation, that works while m- they may be useful on earth, are not what will determine you know what will determine your your eternal salvation. So why is he saying this here?
0: i i don't know for certain but i think the way i would interpret that is that you uh and i think that there are other references to this in other parts of the bible but there's a difference between uh salvation and i think there are references to you get treasures or crowns um uh, sort of depending on what you've done so they're just sort of you get bonuses <laughs> it sounds weird <laughs> to say but you get like bo- if you've done good works you get bonus crowns in heaven um, of course I yeah I think you get the crowns and then you like give them back to Jesus um, but I think that's how I understand it is that this isn't exactly about like who's being saved or not it's about what you're getting in heaven Uh,
1: interesting so it's like graduating with honors yeah
0: (laughs) it feels weird to compare it to that but i think that's in i have a lot of just like lifelong um you know stuff that i've heard that i'm pretty sure is in the bible but i can't point to it specifically um, but I've just learned through osmosis uh, but I think that's <laughs> in here somewhere
1: that's okay that's really interesting it clarifies a lot there thank you um, we will move on to Sardis this is chapter 3 and to the angel of the church in Sardis write the, na- the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars Yet you have still a few names of Sardis' people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot out his name. Or I never. I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father, and before His angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, so things in Sardis are even worse than yeah. they are pretty much everywhere else, because they're essentially spiritually dead. this notion of um, churches that are going through the motions, they don't really have the the fuel, they don't have the fire anymore they just're they're, they're just there, and um, there's something to be said for that sort of like comfort blanket church that uh, I think a lot of people do this is like the Christmas and Easter Catholic kind of um uh stereotype of yeah you know i believe in god and and it's nice and everything but it's not really it's it's not really my passion
0: <laughs> yeah
1: but a few of them have some hope a few of them are still uh doing well they haven't soiled their garments it's a very evocative phrase <laughs> they will walk with me in white for they are worthy but the call here with all of these churches is to not just persist in your faith, but to repent and turn back. So the way that Jesus is seeing the churches on earth, even in the first century, he's saying, you guys have got it all wrong. You're, you're screwing it up. How did it, how did so much go so wrong in the span of like 100 years?
0: Yeah, I mean, even less than that, because I think uh, Revelation is written... Uh, In the 90s AD, Jesus died and resurrected in uh, 30s AD, so that's 60 years. Um, Less than, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, mean, it's not comforting, but it's like, I sort of recognize this in reality. Um, I think, you know, you can point to a lot of churches that maybe have a reputation of being alive, but are dead and so I yeah in a weird way I appreciate that it's sort of acknowledging that reality that like churches aren't always um yeah sometimes you become disillusioned with a church and sometimes that is because they've gone astray um, and it's not just all sunshine and roses after you become a Christian it's You know um as paul i think says it's uh fighting the good fight running the race um it's a continual thing
1: it doesn't yeah it does your work doesn't stop uh here i go talking about works again (laughs) your your work doesn't stop because you are a believer because you've been reborn doesn't mean now you can just kick back and and put your feet up and go all right well i'm cool with that jesus guy now so you know whatever Wanna come over and hang out? Uh it's it's about reading the scripture, it's about evangelizing, it's about being an active participant in God's love. It's really really interesting and, and the fact that this stuff went so went so wrong in jesus's eyes according to this revelation in that short of a span of time makes you think we should have a little grace with the churches today we are so far removed from the original word of Jesus we're so far removed from that uh chronologically from that time that there's probably a lot going on in churches right now that isn't the way that Jesus wants it to be done and and frankly I would love it if Jesus came to somebody and was like all right look here's how we're gonna fix all this stuff yeah uh but we're not, I don't think we're going to get that clear of an answer now. This is an immensely complicated world that we're living in, and it's one that is much larger and much um, m- much more fallen than it, I think it ever was back then. So
0: um, Let's see. If I can remember what I was about to say. Um, I've forgotten, <laughs> so we can move on. <laughs> okay.
1: We'll go to Philadelphia. Um, To the church in Philadelphia and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. Now this is new, isn't it? This description is different. Um, In uh, verse eight, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you, because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming soon, hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it and I will write on him the name of my God. Here's the name again. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my, and my own new name, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This one's interesting, because he's essentially saying, you guys are, you, you're doing all right.
0: Yeah, you, this is another one where he doesn't have um, that much criticism.
1: He says again, that the synagogue of Satan that um, is persecuting you, will bow down before you. This metaphor about an open door, the key of David, the door is open, and it cannot be shut. Why is the door open only for those in the Church of Philadelphia? Um, why have they... Uh, the word here is that Jesus has the key of David, but he's opened this door, and it will not be shut. The um, To the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God that... You will become essentially part of church the the church f- faith the 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 um, organization the establishment of the, the function of the church you will be given this for your conquering
0: yeah um i I don't know <laughs> this is a bit <laughs> weird but i I find it a very beautiful image to be the idea of I mean, I know it's a metaphor, but to be a pillar in the temple of God, um, just that idea of sort of, yeah, um, the strength and, like, really being a part of the worship of God. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure about the, the door that no one will shut um, either. I, I think my study Bible is saying it's the... Um, the door to god's kingdom hmm.
1: and the the way that it's worded here is that they are patient the philadelphians are um patient they have been um they have endured trials their their stability which is probably why he's saying i will make you a pillar their stability in their faith while um they have suffered their stability in their faith is what makes jesus love them particularly um, so the lesson to be learned here seems to be be steadfast, continue on your path, and you will be rewarded in some way or another. And this bit about the names at the end is really fascinating because there's a new name, the new name for the city, and there's the new name for God, mm. and there's a new name for Jesus. Yeah, well, <laughs> what's it gonna be? I'm on the edge of my seat
0: yeah i know um i guess i'm wondering if like if the the name if the new name of jesus is gonna be the name that nobody knows i don't know i (laughs) (laughs) bit out of my depth here with the whole uh name stuff but um
1: I just love ruminating on stuff like this. I really like. Yeah. it. I'm never bored when I read the Bible. I, I, at times I'm challenged and I get frustrated because I go, "Well, wait a second. The, three books ago, you said this, and 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 now you're saying this. Why? Why am I? I can't make sense of that. It doesn't mean that it's wrong, and it doesn't mean that it's even a direct contradiction. It usually means that I don't really understand what's being said or what was said. <laughs> um, but it's never boring. Yeah. Um, the Voice, the voice translation, this particular passage, 12, verse 12, as for the one who conquers through faithfulness, even unto death, I will plant that person as a pillar in the temple of my God, and that person will never have to leave the presence of God. Moreover, I will inscribe this person with the name of my God, not the new name, just the name and the name of the city of my God, New Jerusalem. So they're saying that the, the city is called New Jerusalem, not that it is a New Jerusalem, which is what the ESV kind of seems to be implying, which descends out of heaven from my God and my own new name. So the the name of the city isn't new here. Uh, the name of the God is not new, Just the just the name of Jesus is new. So this is where little translational differences can really complicate messages. Sorry, yeah. my dog is barking in the background right now. I know, it's um, <laughs> um, so, little turns of phrase can really change a, a message, uh, for sure.
0: Right. And yeah, I'm, I'm sort of struck again, like what is Jesus' new name going to be? uh. uh yeah, I don't know, I don't know a lot. I usually just read the ESV, so I don't really see a lot of these uh, differences, but that is a good point. Um, I I think there definitely are times when I have, like knowing the Greek have felt that the English wasn't always, um, representing it fully, but I mean, that's just the nature of translation, unfortunately.
1: There's there's a lot of room for liberties to be taken, which is, I guess, why, from my perspective, having a, a multiple uh, approach, a multiple books kind of approach to this is the, the most even-handed one in, in dealing with the idiosyncrasies of the Bible in dealing with these um these phrases that that I can turn over and turn over and turn over and I just can't figure it out if I can read it from three or four different translation positions I can usually at least try to figure out what is being said even if it's a concept that I'm still struggling with even if it's a concept that I still can't really wrap my mind around
0: yeah I tend to I think I tend to um since I know there's this whole two thousand years of interpretation uh, going on, I tend to do a lot of googling when something isn't clear. And yeah, it's always it's always about um, holding those seemingly contradictory things together. Because I and I mean, I think one of the prime examples that we kind of see in this book as well is. Um, like the tension between being saved by grace and you know works um and obviously that's a huge split along you know catholic protestant and every other um yeah basically every other uh, christian denomination or sect Absolutely. Um, so yeah so i think it's always important to read i mean you know as a evangelical i'm very much on this side of like grace alone um but it's you, you know clearly works are so important as well um so i also try to always read that as you know this is very important but also keeping in mind grace um but i do understand and like so you know the the Protestant idea is sola gratia grace only but I do I sometimes think that the Catholic position of prima gratia grace first um, might fit the Bible a bit more because of stuff like this where you see how important works works in the sense of you know hanging on to your faith um, are but that's you know one of the Complicated and deep um, discussions that's continuously going on <laughs> in Christianity. And someone I think,
1: yeah, someone I think argue that, like, well, your works are your faith. That right. you're, you, you, in being a believer, you are called to spread the word of God, you're called to evangelize, you're called to talk to people who haven't been um, who haven't known Jesus to know Jesus and to, you know, to, to bring them to the faith that that's a work, but it's also faith. It's not that they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, but that's, um, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. I think, um, almost everybody would agree that they go together and you can't really separate one from the other.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's see what's, um, what has to be said here about Laodicea. And I'm going to go with Laodicea. I think this is the right way to pronounce it. I'm not certain about it, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. So the beginning and the Amen is typically the word that you use at the end of a prayer, but the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Again, we're back to that Alpha and Omega thing. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you. To buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve anoint your eyes, so that you may see those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. I'm going to pause here because there's a lot that just happened mm. in those last few verses. Jesus isn't saying that you don't have faith. And Jesus isn't saying there that the Laodiceans don't have faith. He's saying your faith is lukewarm. You're not cold or dead like maybe we saw from Sardis. Um, you're not alive and, and hot with faith like some of the other churches were. You're lukewarm, which I think in a way is to say like spiritually dead too but it mm. it seems to be a distinction here that Jesus is making um you're neither hot nor cold and i'm going to spit you out he 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 doesn't have any interest in in eating room temperature food uh he <laughs> said uh, i'm going to i'm going to spit you out of my mouth you're rich you're you've prospered and yet spiritually or or you know in the eyes of god you're pitiable you're poor you're blind and you're naked so Jesus is asking them to buy gold refined by fire from him and buy white garments that Jesus is giving them or or selling them to sort of reinvigorate their faith so that you can actually be rich. The gold obviously isn't physical gold. It's, it's the gold of the gospel. It's the gold of the truth. Um, Why he's selling them to the Laodiceans, though, is it was the thing I tripped up on the most here.
0: Yeah, I don't I'm I guess I'm sort of taking it not really the way we um you know, in a sort of more just more of a sense that they're gonna get these things from him. Um but I think it makes sense because they're coming to Jesus for um, to sort of be renewed out of their lukewarmness. So that sort of requires, you know, prayer and humbling yourself in faith. So, in a maybe I'm seeing that as sort of an exchange of those things. Um, I, I mean, I haven't looked into this but I certainly don't think it means anything to do with like money
1: like prayer you know the I don't remember which episode now that we talked about this but there was um, a reference to this uh, the debt of sin I think it was the first uh, in the Sermon on the Mount the debt of sin and how um, worship and and prayer are a repayment confession is a repayment for the debt of sin and, and Jesus paid that debt off through death and resurrection. But maybe that's sort of the, the metaphor that they're making here is it's not a physical exchange of, of money and goods, but through the, through the purchase of the gold and the clothing being the, through your prayer, through your faith, you will be given, um, the, the right to walk once again with Jesus. Um, It is always interesting when they use economical kind of terms, though, when they talk about faith, because it has this weird transactional quality to it that I find really uh, tough.
0: Yeah. And as I said, I don't think it has anything to do with money. I did realize that in the previous verse, he talks about their wealth. So maybe it involves um, giving to the poor. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just spitballing here.
1: That's no, that's kind of, that's an act. It's an act of good. You know, that's sort of what we've been talking about this whole time is um, repent, change yourself, do something else Mm. because what you're doing right now isn't working. I wonder how many, this is a, a way left field aside. I wonder how many different people in their lives have had a prophetic vision like this that wrote it all down and have it written down somewhere and obviously it just didn't make its way into the canonical bible um
0: yeah i mean i you... wonder
1: how many other people have been <laughs> able to talk to jesus like this
0: i mean i hear I've, I've heard plenty of people not necessarily like i received a message from the lord that i need to tell everybody and it's 20 chapters long But, I I mean, I certainly have heard many different um, people talk about mystical experiences of Jesus, you know, seeing, hearing something, seeing something, feeling something. Um, So, I I do think that's common, I guess, yeah, I don't know, I guess we're supposed to, you know, the Bible's sort of closed in a way. um, Yeah. So, I don't really know what the proper attitude. I guess the prop. Well, what I've been taught is the proper attitude towards people claiming new revelations is, um, you know, skepticism. But
1: absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah. Who knows?
1: And and you know, it's not really a. F- we we can't know what we don't know, and we can't. Um, we can't, cer- with certainty, say that any person's prophetic vision that they've had, or this, this, um, this conver- their direct conversation with a message from Jesus, isn't real. Um, but then, by the nature of the Bible being the Bible, this is closed. Yeah, you're right. It, it, this nothing's going to get added here. No matter what happens, I don't believe that there will ever be significant changes to this book, they've already made all those changes. They decided on this a long, long time ago. And there's there's certain books that probably could have or should have been included, in right. my opinion, because there's a lot of, of other testimonies of people around this time that I, I think I'll talk about this on another episode, because I, I, I think that it's important to realize that this book did not come together by... It's not like it's not like John talking to Jesus writing down letters here. It's right. a lot lots a lot more complicated than that. There were a lot more people involved and there were power structures involved in deciding who made it in and and what message made it through while a lot of people were were talking we're talking about God at this point and a lot of people had a lot of different opinions about what was going on. I I tend to I tend to uh, struggle in general with the absolute infallibility of everything yeah. in the Bible because I it's something that I just cannot right. um, quite um, grasp. I, but there are people who believe in their heart of hearts that, that this every single word in this book, regardless of the translation, is the direct word of God.
0: Yeah, I think my... I mean, I was certainly raised in, in, um, in, fal- in a church that said the bible is inerrant infallible and i that hasn't changed in the sense that i don't you know i don't want the the bible to be something where you can just pick and choose i want it to all be true but i think i understand inerrant in a different sense like this is the people who wrote this sincerely had an experience with God, and this is sincerely how they understood it. And uh, it is through a human, so sure, like some details might be off, but you know, I think my view is the main message is inerrant.
1: Yeah, uh, that the message itself is the thing that that is the the without flaw, the thing that is speaking through the whole. Throughout the whole book, so maybe someone got their tenses mixed up, and uh, or maybe maybe someone got the wrong name here and there, but that the gospel itself, that the sacrifice of Jesus, um, and the forgiveness of sins, and and you know the 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 importance of faith is inerrant, is infallible.
0: Right. Yeah. Interesting. And. and i i think it's always important and this is sort of a strange idea from a protestant perspective not from others but you know this was a movement that was born out of the resurrection and the bible the new testament is a byproduct of that movement and there was a whole decade a centuries-long struggle over what is included and what isn't included but i think you know There are still good reasons to be confident in it because we have from the very, you know, first century Christians saying, okay, we only um, treat as scripture the things that the apostles say or the things that people who spoke directly and were disciples of the apostles say. So they were very concerned with this from the very beginning um, and they did do their best to keep it to just what the apostles wrote and said to people.
1: And really the story is written in the first few books, right? Matthew, yeah. Mark, Luke and John yeah. are the ones that have the the bulk of the actual narrative. The the inclusion of all the letters um is an interesting one because I think it adds substance that is almost—it's almost more beautiful and motivational, mm, but not yeah. like chronologically. Acts is very chronological and has has a lot of um, specific uh, storyline kind of of narrative. But the the inclusion of the letters is just because they're beautiful outpourings of the spirit of Jesus. Because they are um, like lovely ways to ruminate and think about and 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 focus on the love of God. And uh, and you know honestly I can't, when I first came back to faith I had a lot of high-minded ideas about oh well this and uh, th- this particular belief is wrong because this uh, this is how they th- they thought at the time or maybe this translational error caused uh, a whole doctrine to to carry through yeah. in in the church so with Paul who's credited for writing a lot of the Bible i kind of came at him a little bit skeptically especially since he was a pharisee and he kind of switched sides and all that but the more i read romans the more that i read corinthians the more that i read his letters i love this guy he's so good
0: he's so complicated for people i think because he a lot of the things he says clashes with our cultural understandings of you know gender sexuality uh But so it's easy to sort of like get in the like disliking Paul mindset, but then like he's the one who wrote, you know, he literally wrote love never dies. You know, he's the one who wrote the neither height, nor depth angels, nor demons, nor anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. He wrote some of the most beautiful things truly. Uh, So it's, He is a complicated guy, but he's also hard not to love. And then I think the epistles are also important because we can date them early and we can, we know who the authors were. Mm -hmm. And that's how we know that, like, from the very beginning, people believed in the resurrection, that it wasn't something that was made up after. We know from Paul's epistles that within less than a decade, he was there was somebody he wrote jesus rose from the dead so you know that's it really helps with like kneeling down like they sincerely believed this they didn't come up with this later yeah
1: yeah absolutely that's interesting because the story changed and the narrative changed other faiths have built on the story of jesus christ and have changed it and have made it the basis uh, or at least like an early origin story for the connection that man has to God. Some people will downplay the role of Jesus and other people will turn him into like a space alien. Yeah. So it, it's really kind of uh, complicated. uh, And um, gosh, that's, that's really interesting. Okay. uh, So I'm going to finish this. Okay. Uh, We're at, um, Revelation 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The door is not open anymore. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is a this is like a really rough place to end because there's there's a lot more that happens in Revelation, but I think right. as far as um just wrapping up these letters to these churches, the overall message seems to be persist in your faith, perfect your faith, right. don't fall and and give yourself over to worldly things. It doesn't matter if you're rich. Richness will not buy you into heaven. Uh, you can't literally buy glo- gold and, and robes from Jesus. Um, if you are, if you're being persecuted or you're jailed unjustly, believe in God. Believe in the truth of y- your salvation, and it's gonna be fine. I'm gonna eat dinner with you.
0: Yeah. Um. And I. Yeah, no, I totally agree that what the main message I've gotten from this is just hold on. Hold on free on hold on to your faith and then, you know, the promise of reward after death and in the new heavens and in the new earth. Um I isn't maybe I'm crazy, maybe it's here, but I feel like isn't there another instance where he says I stand at the door and knock? Or...
1: I mean I just read it out loud you think I would know but I think you're probably right the...
0: I think my bible's saying Luke 12
1: oh okay let's see if I can flip back there I'm just going to get the sound of onion skins getting wrinkled
0: <laughs> oh I just flipped to it wow wow that is good <laughs> 35 um no this is not exactly the same thing oh no okay uh it says stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning interesting lamps and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks
1: ah. stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning keep the lamp stands up be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so Box. that they may open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Jesus is knocking. Yeah. Wow. Why would he need to knock?
0: Um, I I think I always understood that as sort of him like wanting you to accept him, but we have the free will to not um, so he's asking like, to come and be with us, but we can reject him if we want to.
1: Like he has the key already. He does. Yeah. And he's also got the key to hell. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you want to answer the door promptly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, it's sort of interesting how much those two verses echo this. Cause I, I'm not, Off the top of my head, I don't know when Luke was written, but I think Luke might have even been written around the same time or after Revelation. So sort of, I don't know, it really, not a coincidence, but um, I guess the divine, divine echo of each other.
1: The um, the notations in uh, Oxford NS, uh, NRSV say an invitation to share the joys of the messianic banquet in the coming age. So this is the 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 banquet to come. Yeah. Again, a promise of of a, a nice a nice meal <laughs> once once all of this trial and tribulation is is over with. I think this is a a good way to parallel what we're going through today. Almost everyone I know has had some form of trauma that they've experienced in this year due to the, the coronavirus or due to um, you know political activity or, or things like that. And um, listen to the words that are being said here because if you persist, don't let yourself go lukewarm. Nice. If you persist and you keep yourself, uh, you keep yourself alive with the fire. Keep that candle stick up. Then you will be rewarded, and that's what your faith has to be about. Because there will be long seasons of life where stuff just kind of sucks, yeah. and um, there's going to be a lot of uh, synagogues of Satan. <laughs> that will come for you. Uh, that's not a reference to, to, to Jews specifically, just this notion of um, there's going to be a lot of, of false preachers and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to try to lure you into, uh, or rather lure you away from your faith uh, with promises of things that will make things maybe temporarily better for you here on earth. and giving up your faith for that is never worth it it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy things on earth it doesn't yeah, mean that you yeah. can't feel good here right. on earth. but <laughs> i think it's saying specifically that if that ever becomes more important to you than your faith in jesus then you're being led astray and you need to turn back repent repent the word they keep using repent 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 uh, it sounds a little bit like we i think in the western world our our brains are kind of poisoned on this word a little bit because it it strikes me as like these these like um street preachers mm. uh with with signs that say you know this this exact list of people is who's going to hell and it's got 15 <laughs> but have you seen people like that where they're just like just lists and lists of uh, sports yeah. fans and porno <laughs> watchers <laughs> and, and whatever uh, so this this word in our heads is kind of poison, I think, in a lot of ways. But it's the message is there. It's not it's not repent from yourself, but turn yourself to back to God. Um, it's a uh, it's a challenge. We live in a complicated world.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I just to add to that, it's you know, it's also hanging on to your faith also means hanging on when it doesn't make sense and you don't know why god is doing something and it doesn't make sense to you it seems counterintuitive um i think for me i've really been discovering that that's a sort of the heart of trust is being like okay every i don't understand how this is a good thing but i'm trusting you that it is um despite the fact that I can't see and I can't understand.
1: And if it's not a good thing, why it's a necessary thing.
0: Right, right. Or yeah. how that good will come out of it.
1: Yeah, where this fits into the kingdom vision. Right. As I hear a lot of preachers say stuff like that. That's, um. yeah. Well, this was this was a really fun conversation. Thank you, for, thank you for joining me, Kate. That was You're really welcome. cool. Um, I'm going to wrap us up oh, do you want to plug anything since you're here or?
0: um <laughs> i guess i'll just say my twitter account it's bob blah blah that it's a joke from um, arrested development with like a couple extra a's and w's at the end so that it was a unique thing um yeah follow me on twitter
1: <laughs> i will i will post her handle in the notes to the episode follow she's awesome Uh, this is so great Uh, so the poem that we're going to close with today is from Donald Justice Mm. the um, poem is called The Wall the wall surrounding them they never saw the angels often angels were as common as birds or butterflies but looked more human as long as the wings were furled they felt no awe beasts too were friendly They could find no flaw in all of Eden. This was the first omen. The second was the dream which woke the woman. She dreamed she saw the lion sharpen his claw. As for the fruit, it had no taste at all. They had been warned of what was bound to happen. They had been told of something called the world. They had been told and told about the wall. They saw it now. The gate was standing open. As they advanced, the giant wings unfurled. Thanks everybody.